Shalom Aleichem. Welcome to the Schmooze, the Yiddish Book Center's podcast. I'm Lisa Newman, and today I'm visiting with Shirley Riva Wernick. Shirley is the author of numerous award-winning books, including her novel, The Blood Lie, which won the Simon Weisenthal Once Upon a World Book Award, and she's also a Sydney Taylor Honor Book Award winner. She graduated from Cornell University, where she was awarded the university's Fleischmann Scholarship for Writing Achievement. Her work has appeared in national magazines, newspapers, and university publications. Her most recently published book is Ripped Away. Welcome, Shirley. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here, Lisa. Thrilled to have you here. Um, and uh, true confession, I knew you were writing this book, so I was very excited when you let me know that it was finished and I got to read it. Um, and I have to say, you really had me at the first paragraph, and I wasn't quite sure I would be that yeah, gripped at the moment, um, but I was. Um, so it's really good to have you here to talk about Ripped Away, your newest novel. Thank you. Um, I wondered if you'd share a little bit about the premise for the novel, which is based on the experience of Jewish immigrants in London during the Jack the Ripper spree, which is surprising for most people, I think. Um, and hopefully you won't have to give a spoiler alert. Okay, great. Uh, this is a novel for upper middle grade, early young adult readers. In the story, uh, a fortune teller in contemporary times charges two Jewish classmates, Abe and Mitzi, with saving someone's life. And before they can ask any questions, she immediately whisks them off to the slums of Victorian London, snap dab in the middle of the Jack the Ripper spree. The friends don't know who they're meant to save or how they're going to go about it, especially in the midst of the anti-Semitic xenophobia that the Ripper hysteria unleashed. But it's their only way back. So they're going to give it their all. Um, so I'm curious, Shirley, because I know you did write this for teens and I will say it's a great read for adults as well. Um, how did you go into this in terms of wanting to tackle, and I imagine you did, to sort of tackle the idea of xenophobia and, and bring it to people's attention. I'm not sure everybody even associates that with that period of time or that place in, in London. So you're asking how I came upon this story? Yeah, a little bit. And what did, and, and how you wanted to kind of tackle this subject, which is okay. not an easy one. Yes. And it's yes. so wedded to the story. Well, in general, I am driven to write about the concept of being different and being made to feel different and the trauma um, that can result from that. That's what all of my books have been about. And um, for obvious personal reasons, I have a special interest in uh, Jew the Jewish uh, feeling of being different, um, including Jewish immigrants, of which I am a uh, second generation American. I really sort of grabbed onto the history of Jack the Ripper vis-a-vis -vis the Jews because I wanted a story that was based on actual facts and was a part of history that I felt would be 
engaging to readers of all ages, be it teens, adults, students, teachers. And I think that Jack the Ripper holds a lot of intrigue um, for a lot of audiences. Um, you know, given all the uh, things that have been written about it in the TV shows, et cetera, I, I think that that's true. So I decided that that would be my way in to talking about anti-Semitic xenophobia. And my challenge was to write it in an engaging and also age-appropriate way. So I already knew that I didn't want to get at all into the violence or the gore. That's not what I was interested in exploring. What I wanted to explore was people's reactions to that, to the public crisis. And um, I actually wrote an entire first draft as straight historical fiction. But then after I put it aside for a while and reread it, I decided that really a contemporary voice with modern sensibilities would be more meaningful and engaging for readers. And that's how the upshot of the time uh, travel angle of the story um, happened. And it's such an interesting, and I, I hope it's okay to say it's an interesting device. Um, yes. Uh, and it just, um, it's so seamless. And usually I don't surrender to that very easily as a reader, um, but I did hear, and you build this, you build a main character, as you say, who really, I think, um, is both sympathetic and, um, and allows us to work through also some personal issues, but whatever they may be, it's, it, it's interesting. Um, again, how you constructed the story. And I wanted to ask you as a writer, how hard is that? Well, it's definitely a challenge and it's also one of my favorite parts. Um, when I'm writing, um, usually the first thing that comes to me, other than if it's a story based on factual events, the actual factual events, the first thing that usually comes to me is a voice like a voice kind of chattering inside my head, some character blowing off steam or thinking out loud about what they want. And um, that was definitely the case for me with Abe. Um, then my uh, job was to figure out what was the personality and the flesh and blood person around that voice and how could it fit into the story I wanna tell. Um, I grew up with three older brothers, so I think I have that sort of adolescent male shtick <laughs> down, you know, which is sometimes uh, swaggering and sometimes very aloof and sometimes classic low self-esteem and it can all sort of come out in, in, in one breath. What I loved about Abe from the first paragraph I said, you know, which hooked me is he's got great self-awareness. And I think he allows in, in, in building that in terms of um, 
understanding his character and where he takes us in this book, um, it really made it so that his going back and forth between these situations connected the two in some way. And I don't know if that's a reach or, um, yeah. You used both the contemporary and the historic as a way to kind of give me, again, for lack of a better word, a bit of a history lesson there. Um, yeah. That was a lot of fun for me, uh, was to go back and forth between, uh, for you know, the, the story in general, between the contemporary mindset and vocabulary and the Victorian. And I had to be careful. And in the editing, I saw, wow, I really went down that vein. And the, right there, the character needs to be um, in the other vein. Speaking of Abe's self-awareness, I'm glad you brought that up because I think that ironically, his level of self-awareness and interest in self-reflection is part of what defines his outward personality and his relationships. Because, you know, a young teen guy who is sort of more in touch, more uh, living internally is ripe for being a loner, not by choice. So that was, uh, that was something interesting for me to, to work with from a creative standpoint. I can see that. And, and it allows him, I think, to encounter people and be open to them. Right. As guarded as he can be because of shyness and low self-esteem. Yes. He, he, yeah. He has um, great empathy, I think, um, in his character. So, and speaking of language, um, here you are on the schmooze. So I can ask you, um, the relevance. You have Yiddish in the book a little bit. Um, and you, again, you do that so well that it just, it feels so natural. And again, I want to ask you a little bit in terms of history, how you kind of got into that, that aspect of um, Whitechapel and, and the East London that is in the book, um, because Yiddish was so infused. Right. Well, my own personal experience with Yiddish was, I think, like a lot of people from my generations, it's what my parents spoke when they didn't want the kids to understand what they were saying. So I definitely did not come in with a lot of Yiddish. Um, but uh, through my research for this story and just the reading that led me to discover the story, uh, I became aware of the size of the Jewish population in London at the time and how many or most of them were emigres uh, from Yiddish speaking places seeking asylum from the anti-Semitism in Eastern Europe. So they would be Yiddish speaking. Uh, at, at least Yiddish would be one of their languages and that language, if not barrier, at least difference, uh, I believe is one of the things that fed the xenophobia and the anti-Semitism because it made our people 
different in yet another way. It allowed the non-Jews to distinguish them from, quote, the English people. And indeed, uh, the language difference does become a major part of the plot line. And um, so again, we won't give anything away here. <laughs> um, I wonder what kind of surprises you encountered along the way, because you did do a lot of research for this. Um, and as you at, yeah, kind of unraveled this. Yes, I did do a lot of research um, sort of in two main ways. One is I did a lot of research on the facts of the Ripper history in general, which involved reading a lot of newspaper articles from the time, the year 1888, uh, court documents from the time, and then contemporary analyses of what happened and of those reports. And um, on the sort of the other road I took was researching the general socioeconomic and cultural zeitgeist of the time in London and beyond so that I could realistically portray what was it like to be an immigrant, to live in the slums of London, what would a loaf of bread have cost, what are some of the idioms people would have used, what was the outdoor marketplace like. So um, I got to do one of my very favorite things, which is read. So I enjoy the um, research part of my writing a lot for that reason. Um, I think the thing that most surprised me in my research and also anguished me was the discovery that many uh, police and government officials in the city were complicit with this blood libel that it was uh, a Jewish immigrant who was Jack the Ripper and that the entire Jewish community in London, which numbered 100,000 at that time, was harboring and protecting Jack the Ripper as one of their own. And you know, to the point where the police commissioner stated as an accepted fact that the Ripper is a Jew, that the sketches, the artistic sketches that the police uh, released for the Ripper always looked like an exaggerated, almost caricaturish picture of a Jewish man, even though there had never been and never would be an eyewitness to give a detailed report. And um, the uh, assumption or suspicion that it was the Jewish ritual slaughterers who was the Ripper to the point where uh, the city surgeon went in and examined uh, the knives, the slaughtering knives of the selection of Jewish slaughterers and did not to any other, you know, butcher slaughter situations. So that really saddened me and frightened me because it, it felt like an example of where the, the state, the government, the city um, was perpetuating um, accusations and oppression. And it's, you know, it, it, it's a hard, it's a hard story. Um, you fictionalize it here, but again, Abe is encountering all of this as a teen. 
how did you, or what do you hope for in terms of what a teen reader will take away from this? Thank you for asking. What I hope a teen reader will take from this is a couple of things. One is to learn about this chapter of Jewish history or of world history, British history. I would also hope that it will inspire uh, teen readers to think about and even better talk about amongst themselves what oppression looks like, what bigotry looks like, and possible responses to that. And then I really hope that readers will come away seeing how vital it is for us to help each other. Just the way that Abe and Mitzi help each other in trying to escape this time warp, trying to save a life and trying to support their new communities. Um, because I think when it comes right down to it, humankind, as well as groups within humankind, we really do need to help each other, especially in the face of baseless hate. And as the Talmud says, he who saves a life saves the world entire. And in my book, it doesn't have to be saving a life. It can be any compassionate um, act or any kind of speaking up on behalf of others. I think you also empower Abe in through this. Um, he, he, yeah. Thank you. I see him as a very yeah, evolved, um, it might not be the right word, but yeah. <laughs> It just grows in this um, in, in a beautiful way. Um, so um, thank you. I, um, it's a wonderful book for our listeners. Ripped Away is the title. It's available now. It's just recently released, um, available in bookstores, and hopefully it will be available very shortly in the Yiddish Book Center's online and on-site bookstore, shop.yiddishbookcenter.org, um, and elsewhere. Um, and I also think it's a great book to read with a teen um, because it opens us up to a lot of really important um, conversations. Thank you so much, Lisa. You have been listening to The Schmooze, a production of the Yiddish Book Center in Amherst, Massachusetts. To learn more about this podcast and to subscribe, visit YiddishBookCenter.org. I'm Elizabeth Carteropoli. Until next time, be well and be healthy.